As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Ying.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. I used to think time was my enemy. My future wasn't looking good So worried about the things I couldn't see I couldn't see the things I could I was aging fearfully Worrying my life away When all along I should have been Thankful for every day Finally made a friend of time you could say that I'm aging gratefully, mm, aging gratefully. Live from the rolling hills of the beautiful Tennessee Valley, from the foothills of the Great Smoky Mountains, across this amazing nation and spanning the universe, you're listening to Aging Gratefully. I'm your host, gerontologist Holly Kelly, bringing you exceptional guests and novel information to ensure you age great, live full, and embrace each extraordinary day for the incredible gift it is. Welcome, everyone, to the Aging Gratefully Show. We broadcast every Friday on the CTR Network at 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Hi, my awesome aging rebels across the globe. Welcome to another Power Hour of Enlightenment. Today, we're going to explore some of the fairy tale ideals we grew up with, get deeply real with some life tsunamis we may never see coming, and in the end, solidify that no matter what life brings your way, you've got what it takes, and it's definitely an awesome journey worth living. So happy you're tuning in. Salutations to listeners around the United States, France, Germany, Great Britain, Switzerland, the Netherlands, our awesome listeners from Canada, Morocco, the Bahamas, 
From sea to shining sea, you are valued, and I am so grateful for how you engage with and support our awesome, never acting our age, ages, just a number, live your life, and forget your age journey each week together. By the way, I know you love our show's theme song, so if you haven't added it to your playlist yet, please be sure to do so. It's by singer-songwriter-musician Jim Bilop from his album Dreams, I Left in Pockets. You can get it from Amazon or iTunes. If you visit iTunes or whatever platform you choose to listen on, please leave us a show review. And by the way, thank you so much for the letters, emails, social media interaction from so many of you out there. I am, I'm heartwarmed with the beautiful ways you illustrate how this show and its awesome guests hold so much meaning for you. So thank you for sharing your thoughts and feedback with me and sharing the show like you do. You absolutely rock. Speaking of that, let's roll with today's show. Once upon a time, not so far away and not so long ago, there was a beautiful, charming, and jubilant young girl who lived in her happy abode. This perfect little lady saw the world through infinite pairs of rose-colored glasses. She was loved and doted on. Her perfect life was encouraged and inspired by her amazing family. And no matter what came her way, as she grew older, her dreams remained magical. Of course, there was also once a handsome young boy, and he too was full of vigor and vibrance. This lively young fellow grew into an imaginative young man. His dreams too remained center stage as he tackled his world with blissful enthusiasm. This boy and this girl had much in common but especially that they both dreamed of their idealistic and unadulterated happily ever after, just like they were supposed to. After all, they had both read the same stories throughout their lives. Beauty and the Beast, Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, all enchanting recounts of how love not only prevails, but that your one true love would go to the ends of the earth and then some, to merge their heart with yours and become your forever one and only. They had learned very early how life was meant to be. So while immersing themselves in being kids, they definitely understood that one day true love awaited them. They knew when the stars and moon so flawlessly aligned on the perfect evening at the perfect time, their own fairy tale dreams would be fulfilled and they would effortlessly fall in love, and that love would be founded on faultless adoration and would unfold seamlessly into their very own and worthy happily ever after. As the story goes, they both did become grown-ups and even found one another in the vast world, this lovely lady and this perfect gentleman, and they realized rather soon that, well, hmm, those fairy tales had been a bit embellished upon, and greatly expounded. Their partner wasn't exactly like the prince or princesses they had learned about, but they had survived the realities of other fables of their youth, think red suit and bunny rabbits, and they realized there were still many special blessings in finding the one for them. After all, perfection is overrated, and their love and commitment was certainly as real as any fairy tale. Flash forward to years later, 
And her prince seemed to have a few chinks in his armor. And, well, the princess wasn't always so princessesly. So the for better or worse oath, however, offered perspective and commitment. After all, they did agree to that small innuendo of disclaimer that worse was going to be commingled with the better, but they were certain overall that better would more often prevail. Ironically, there were no glimpses in those fairy tales, nor mention in the vows that attested to mood swings, grouchiness, dirty socks on the floor, lack of empathy, sympathy, support, tolerance, or even disconnects. But those must have fallen under the worst component. But the vows seemed to gloss over lovingly accepting the extra 20 pounds gained from bearing children, beautiful children, being patient through the burdens of just keeping all of life afloat and dealing with all kinds of life stresses, even snoring, being polar opposites on paramount issues, or worse yet, infidelity or loss of love. Who could imaginably foresee such things? But since their marriage didn't come with an extended warranty, a buyback guarantee, umbrella policy for damages, or even upgrade options, it seems one possibility was to tolerate the reality of their less than ideal, well, reality. A far cry from the fairy tales they'd envisioned. Yep, life doesn't always promise to be easy. But about those promises, referencing the marital vows specifically, not the ones that didn't make the list, but those that were absolutely fully disclosed and duly noted and sworn before all, the yeses and I do's. I blank, take thee blank, to be my wedded husband wife, to have and hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish, wait for it, now be sure and listen carefully, till death do us part, and thereto I pledge thee my faith to you. Aha! We all know the meaning of the noun death, right? the end of the life of a person or organism, the state of being dead. But did you know it also means the destruction or permanent end of something, such as the death of her hopes and dreams. And it also means a damaging or destructive state of affairs. So when someone else or a situation becomes toxic and that leads to a destruction of sorts, leading to a permanent end to something, namely the eradication of one's intact soul, in this sense, an unhealthy and loveless marriage can lead to a theoretical form of death. Then perhaps there is an emergency exit plan, loophole in the vows when this kind of obliteration of person occurs. I'm not condoning divorce or giving it the green light, not one bit. That is for each person to determine and decide, or conversely, sometimes it is decided for them. But the reality is that the incidence of divorce is nearly 50%. Definitely, divorce and marriage are both monumental, life-changing decisions, often hugely impacting well beyond the two parties involved. And when marriage is loving and healthy, founded on core principles, allowing each person to serve and support the other, well, there are few things in life so magnificent. But when we explore alternative meanings of the word death, sometimes our mind, body, and spirit can be dismantled by destructive circumstances. In this case, there is a death, 
the death of all things that define not necessarily being alive, but conversely living. They aren't the same, by the way. You see, there's being alive. That is the marvelous and magnificent work our bodies do. Things we often are not even consciously aware of, orchestrating seamlessly on their own without our direct commands, life-sustaining processes like breathing, digesting food, regenerating cells, healing. Oh, what miraculous powerhouses our bodies are to behold as they almost work on autopilot to keep us alive. But living, now that is a conscious choice. Living is an investment we make as stakeholders in our own life journey that we decide to make meaningful moments of our minutes that we deliberately elect to design our lives to include all of our wishes, wants, aspirations, and dreams, that we embrace our lives with enthusiastic elation and eagerness to embroil ourselves in the magnificent journey called life as we make the best of the ups and downs it brings along the way. But when your light is dim, when you may be worse, have lost your sparkle, you feel a death a fatality, that is, of your aliveness. But there's something great about being alive, and that is each sacred second, every gifted moment, every extraordinary day offers new opportunity to light that spark, to fan your flame, to shine your bright light once again. Which brings us to our Aging Gratefully alphabet soup for the psyche. Aristotle wrote, It is during our darkest moments that we must focus to see the light. But here's the irony. The light we seek to keep moving forward in life's darkest hours is actually flickering inside of us. We are the magnificent light that shines our path brightly. And we can keep going because we have glowing inside us the spark of resilience and strength, allowing us to have faith for a better tomorrow. And we become more than we ever thought imaginable through the challenges of life tsunamis. Life isn't always perfect. Life is often nothing we'd hoped, dreamed, or even aspired. It's not the fairy tale, much to our disappointment. But like other roads we travel, it is also not straight, but instead windy, bumpy, a pothole, gravel hitting our cars, construction sites, roundabouts, and even dead ends. But if we stay on course, lose the map, quit worrying about and focusing on the destination, but trust our inner GPS and take every part of the journey as part of your adventure. We find that we end up at some pretty cool off the map places that we'd have never seen if we'd have stayed strictly on course. No, life isn't perfect, but it's real. And it is always worth living. And you are absolutely, positively durable enough to handle everything on its path. Which brings us to our Aging Gratefully show dedication that's to the noun resilience. It means the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties, toughness. Synonyms are flexibility, durability, ability to last, strength, sturdiness, toughness, adaptability, ability to bounce back. And today's guest knows a thing or billion about resilience, and I can't wait to bring her on and learn more with you. Beverly Willett has written for the New York Times, USA Today, the Washington Post, the New York Post, 
Newsweek, and many more on a variety of topics, everything from friendship, divorce, and parenting to homelessness, midlife, and meditation, even her wild ride on a Harley on the back roads of Kentucky. An accomplished speaker, in 2016, she gave a popular TEDx talk entitled, How to Begin Again. Today, Beverly joins us to share her story of midlife resurrection in her raw and riveting memoir, Disassembly Required, in which she invites readers along a moment-by-gut-wrenching moment on her journey from betrayal and devastation to resilience and recovery. And as she surrenders her hopes for a life that hasn't turned out the way she imagined, her world opens back up and Willett leaps towards it, embracing uncertainty. Disassembly Required is a story of quiet struggle and persistence, unflinchingly honest in its examination of the discomforts of change. It celebrates the opportunities for transformation. Disassembly Required, a memoir of midlife resurrection, is available wherever books are sold, or you can learn more about it and Beverly by visiting www.beverlywillett.com. That's two L's and two T's in Willett. Delighted to have you as a guest today, Beverly. Welcome to the Aging Gratefully Show. Thank you so much. I, I have just been drawn in by the fairy tale that you just told. And I'm like right there in the middle of it with you. <laughs> yes, um, a familiar tale to all of us, right? Well, that's, you know, that's really how I grew up. I grew up with the Cinderella and the Prince Charming. And, you know, someone asked me the other day what my favorite movie was. And I said, well, it's White Christmas because it's the scene at the end um, where they get together. And she gives him that little, um, you know, man on the, on the white horse. <laughs> Wow. So that's the image that I grew up with, and that was the hope for my life that was always inspired in me. I certainly saw troubles in relationships uh, as I grew up, but nobody got divorced, and everybody worked through their problems, and I saw, saw a lot more happiness than unhappiness. Well, I didn't even know that uh, as far as that being your favorite, um, that you grew up with those fairy tales too, because we all have aspirations for the grandest of fairy tales to unfold in our lives. And yet, even when our kingdom crumbles, we, we find so many jewels received from that life and, and can even discover many unexpected treasures ahead in our future, even if we're not 100% sure of, of that. Your journey began as most marriages until, I have to say, until that day when you picked up your husband's cell phone. And I'm wondering if you can tell us about that. You you had that great marriage. You know, we had problems. I mean, we had problems like all marriages. We were married 20 years. To say mm -hmm. that we didn't have problems would, would really be a fairy tale. Mm -hmm. So... We had lots of, lots of problems over the course of our marriage. Um, but the thing was is that we always got through them, um, or at least I thought we always got through them. Um, mm -hmm. I, I had discovered that, that my ex-husband was keeping certain things from me other than those things which I described in the book. 
uh, which I won't go into right now. Um, but we did still get through a lot of things in our marriage. And so I was very hopeful because at the time this all happened, we had, we had the, the lovely house. I, was, uh, I had uh, stopped, uh, I was, had gotten off the rat race for a little while because two lawyers in New York City with two kids and a house was just too much. So I scaled back my career to stay at home with the kids and start building um, a writing career on the side. He had just started this incredible new job, and I was really hopeful that we were about to enter the best time in our lives, in our lives, in our family life, in our marriage. And then one day, I um, uh, we had started going to therapy, and I, I didn't even know why he'd asked me to go to therapy, but I thought, well, okay, that's a good thing too. We can we can go to therapy, talk out whatever issues we still need to. And you're um, thinking he's invested if he's doing this, I'm certain. I am I am definitely think he's invested in the marriage and, and it, it, it it came out later that he thought that if we went to therapy it would be that a therapist would help us part better. <laughs> rather than help us grow closer together and sort out anything that was, you know, of, of difficulty between us. And that's certainly in my mind, I thought, well, that's what therapy is for. You're going because you have some issues and you want to get a third party to kind of help you get over those difficulties. But in his mind, he was going because he thought, well, this therapist would, would, be, would, would smooth the way so that he could move on with this woman he was having an affair with that I knew nothing about. And so this, this moment that you, that you talk about um, that, that opens my book that was, was really sort of the thing that when everything started changing, he had come home late. He wouldn't tell me where he was. I had tried to call him. He didn't answer his cell phone. And I just had this sick feeling inside. And in the middle of the night when the kids were asleep, he was asleep. I went downstairs. Um, something told me to go looked for his cell phone. I did. He did not have password protection on it. I looked. There were messages from this woman whose name he had mentioned as, an, as a new employee at his, his office. And I sat down. I went and I made coffee because I just, I had to get a moment where I could breathe because I just felt that there was something I was going to learn there that was going to change my life. And I did because I just kept hearing love message after love message. Um, on his phone. So I imagine you were devastated. I Can you describe what it was like at that moment for you to think about, I mean, here you are at the intersection of looking at a life you thought was happening and you're really questioning what your entire future is at this point. I don't even think I could look beyond anything. I think in that moment I was so devastated, I didn't know what to do. I didn't, I didn't know how I could cope. I didn't know where to turn. Um, and as I say in my book, I wanted to roll up everybody in their covers, like just tie their covers around them, you know, put them in suspended animation <laughs> somewhere so that I could just think clearly, what can I do? Um, and of course I couldn't do that. And then you know my daughter's getting up for school and I've got to take them to school and make their breakfast and then life all of a sudden normal I think normal life is just happening all of a sudden and I can't even catch my breath. Um, I even you know I, I'm starting to get um, 
to tear up now even thinking about that moment. I mean, I, I, I'm definitely, I have moved on to a totally different place in my life. I'm not in love with my ex-husband. I don't think about him. I think about all of the wonderful things that I have going on in my life. But I put myself back in that moment and remember what it was like, and I can sit here and cry because it, it was devastating. Oh, I, I'm sure. It, it's, like I said, destruction of the soul. Uh, and I, I can't imagine. So I um, want to just quickly shift to a little statistical uh, conversation. Midlife divorce is um, statistically, this happens. And what numbers uh, in your research have you found that, uh, you know, marriages end in divorce and what's happening in midlife as well? Yeah, I don't have the, the statistics off the top of my head, but I know that um, for people in the older 50 and over bracket, that that's where we're seeing, because you know, there's a lot of conversation about how the divorce rate has gone down a little bit, and that's impacted by the fact that the marriage rate has gone down. But where we do see the divorce rate moving upwards instead of down or remaining steady is what they call gray divorce people in this older demographic um, after 50, and then apparently that number within that demographic then triples for people over 65. And it's interesting because I, I first want to look at this and say, well, okay, if it failed the first time, then we have some sort of tools uh, to carry forth and we're going to have more success as a society in round two but it it actually the statistics don't support that kind of ideology. The statistics are showing, and from the little bit of research that I did, uh, if your first marriage failed, it's more likely that your second would too. And so, as as grim it that as grim as that does sound, I do want to um, let listeners know that if they are in a situation like this, if they're going through something traumatic in their lives, even, you know, not relationship wise, there is life after this type of life tsunami, isn't there? There is. And, and just, just to, I will give you those statistics because the, the divorce rate for second marriages is, is about um, 66%. And then for people who marry a third time, it's about 75%, 74, 75%. So that's staggering. Yeah, that's um, staggering. It's staggering. And what it says to me is that rightfully so, pain hurts. Suffering and pain hurts. We know it does. Um, and sometimes we have the tendency to say, okay, I need somebody else to heal me or to help heal me. And that's what those statistics say to me. I'm looking, I'm looking for some comfort and some healing. And of course we want to be healed. Of course we want to be comforted. But if, we're, if we start looking outside ourselves for that healing, then we're really not doing the work that's required for us to heal inside, which then will give us the best chance to actually have the second relationship work, you know, be more stable and to work. And then that's, and that's really what we have to do first. And I think that's really what my book is about is this journey of I've got to just go in there. As, as you were talking about these dark nights, 
I'm going to go into that dark night, and I've just got to stay there until I, until I do the work that I need to do to heal myself inside so that then I can, then I can go on with my life. Um, and and, and this, this second part of my life, or third part of my life, wherever I am in that demographic, I don't think about those ages, really. We don't um, either, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but that's really um, what we have to do um, first, I, want, I think. I want and to least, unpack. Yeah. I want to unpack some of that. I, I want, uh, okay. on, the, on the other side of break, I want you to share what you have learned about you and how you have grown in all of um, the things that you had to move through. I imagine that climbing out of that low point was difficult. And I want you to walk us through that journey when we get back from break, if you would. I will. Thank you. Great. You're listening to Aging Gratefully today. We are with guest Beverly Willett, who is sharing her story of midlife resurrection in her new memoir, Disassembly Required, a memoir of midlife resurrection. Her book is available at www.beverlywillett or wherever books are sold. And I invite you to check it out and even learn more about her work by visiting her website. Also, thank you everyone for sharing downloads and, and subscribing to the Aging Gratefully Show. Your awesome loyalty has helped the Aging Gratefully Show be recognized by several platforms as the top five and top 15 shows on aging you should listen and subscribe to. And that would not happen without your fabulous support. So value each of our awesome aging rebels who tune in throughout the world. I am heartwarmed by all of the people and places this show resonates with. So whether you listen to our maiden broadcast on Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific time, 2 p.m. Eastern time at www.ctrnetwork.com forward slash Holly Kelly or dial into the show at 701-719-6942. Or if you catch the show on podcast literally everywhere on so many venues, I can't even mention them all. But definitely your popular favorites, such as iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, TuneIn, Google Play. Oh, my goodness. There's just too many. You can access us from your smart devices and Roku, Amazon Fire, and Samsung Smart TVs, or ask Amazon Alexa to play Aging Gratefully podcast for you. I'm your host, gerontologist Holly Kelly, and we'll be back right after these messages. innovation the maker of joy for all companion pets we believe that the power of play has no age limit joy for all companion pets are bringing comfort and companionship to aging adults and their caregivers realistic cats and pups look feel and sound like real pets with lifelike fur purring barking and soothing heartbeats Learn more about joy for all companion pets at www.joyforall.com and hear what aging loved ones, caregivers, and families are saying about their companion pet experiences. Ellen H. says, I purchased this cat for my 90-year-old aunt. I have never seen her so happy. It was the best purchase I ever made. Miles S. says the pet has brought my dad back to life. He talks to it and cares for it so much. 
carefree pet ownership, enhanced connections between family members, and joy in having a comforting companion are just a click away. Choose your favorite Joy For All companion pet at www.joyforall.com and bring yours home today. I'm Dr. Gordon Pedersen. Aging Gratefully was a very wonderful show before I ever got here, and it's even more magnificent now that I've been a part of one show. I enjoyed being interviewed by Holly. She did her homework better than anybody else has, and she communicated in such simple, understandable format that everybody knew more than I even expected when I was brought into the show. After my introduction, I already had a willingly acceptable uh, clientele of people that wanted to hear about what I had to say. So I got to stand on her shoulders and she made me even better than I could have possibly been. I recommend her show. I recommend it regularly. And if you're going to be a guest, absolutely be prepared. She's going to ask the right questions in the right way to make you look better, sound better, and for the benefit of everybody listening, uh, I give her a 10 out of 10. I'm Dr. Gordon Pedersen. I'm at www.mydoctorsuggests.com. Thank you. Thanks. Hi, my awesome listeners. It's me, your host, gerontologist Holly Kelly, bringing you another Aging Gratefully show tip for the week. I take a variety of vitamins and supplements, but one I use that I'd like to share today is turmeric. It's actually a tropical plant and in the same family as ginger. Turmeric has been proven in several scientific studies to have a variety of health benefits, from aiding in prevention of Alzheimer's, cancer, and even heart disease, to its powerful antioxidants and anti-inflammatory properties. Turmeric is also known to improve symptoms of depression and arthritis. So think about adding this for added health and longevity so you can age gratefully. And that's our Aging Gratefully show tip for the week. The Ladder Life Planning Institute is the ultimate guidance for life's inevitable destiny and your path to passionate aging and inspirational advanced care planning. LLPI offers tools that educate, inspire, and enlighten. Live vibrantly, plan thoughtfully, age dynamically. Visit LLPI for business and individual consulting services. Professional and keynote speaking, books, workshops, education, webinars, and resources. LLPI is here to transform your ladder life living today. Visit them at ladderlifeplanninginstitute.com. Live extraordinary, age dynamically. Visit LadderLifePlanningInstitute.com Hi, I'm Rick Cleveland from Florida. I'm Aging Gratefully and Loving Life listening to the Aging Gratefully show with gerontologist Holly Kelly. If you miss it live, do what I do. Subscribe to the podcast and never miss a show.
Welcome back to the Power Hour of Enlightenment, my aging rebels far and wide. What a show today. I know this topic can inspire and encourage so many people with the challenges of divorce and how to rebuild yourself and your life and reassemble afterwards. Today, we're here with guest and author Beverly Willett, and we're talking about her new book, Disassembly Required. Visit Beverly at www.beverlywillett, that's two L's and two T's in Willett, to learn more and purchase her book. Before we return to our riveting conversation, I want to remind you why I like the Joy for All Companion Pets so much. Because much like the transformative features on this show, the Joy for All Companion Pets also bring joy and happiness to the people they impact. As you know, I'm a huge advocate of animal companionship. So find out why caregivers and family members love them so much. Visit www.joyforall.com to choose your favorite cats or pup today. And designed with our awesome Aging Rebels in mind, we now have our own exclusive line of Aging Rebels brand wearables and lifestyle products created exclusively for those who celebrate growing older in positive ways. You can check those out at www.hollykelly.com and click on Shop Store. So welcome back to our conversation. Beverly, I can't imagine how you even knew how to put the right foot foot in front of the left foot after that. So can you walk us through, you, you were saying you have to look at yourself. Uh, how did you get well, to that I think, point? I think, um, I think for many years I was, for lack of a better word, on autopilot because the reality was that I had these two children to raise. I was now a single mother. I didn't want to be. We had six years of divorce litigation. So that, that ate up a lot of time, raising kids and being in the middle of divorce litigation for six years, taking care of a house, doing all the things you have to do. I had, I had several knee surgeries along the way. So all of the stuff of life, happened and kept happening. And so I think because of all of those things, I felt like I had dealt with my grief and the eventual loss of my marriage. I did, I did try and save my marriage, and then when that didn't work, then we were still in court talking about um, the assets. And I very much wanted to keep our house because I wanted to keep some stability in my life and in my children's life. There was there was so much upheaval, um, you know, a new stepmom, so many other things. I wanted to keep some stability, and that meant keeping us in our home, keeping us in our neighborhood with our wonderful supportive neighbors, uh, with our church around the corner, the kids in the same schools, near their schools. So I focused on that next, and that was just keeping our stability. But I think down deep, I had not really dealt with the grief of the loss of my marriage and the grief that surrounded the loss of this fairy tale dream that I grew up with that I tried to have. Um, I had not come to terms with that. I thought I had. And I think mm -hmm. there were little things that I did along the way to peel off some of that. And I... I, I couldn't believe how much there was still left to come. It's like you peel the onion and then there's another layer and another layer and another layer. And that really blew my mind mm -hmm. when I started unearthing that. And I think most of it happened 
that last year in my home. Eventually, my, my one daughter had gone to college. Yeah, the, kid, the kids grew up. I mean, all this time, you know, time is going by. Well, time's not stopping. The kids, the kids grew up. One went to college and moved out on her own. And then my youngest daughter was about to go to college. And there were just no jobs in my field. And I had to put the house up for sale. I couldn't afford the mortgage. And I was, it's almost like there's these pieces that you're trying to grab and hold on to and put back together. And it, some of it actually came apart. And some of it is just, you know, the natural events of, of, of life that happen. You, mm-hmm. you can't do that. And that's what I was trying to do. Um, and that last year in my house, as I started looking at our whole life, it was almost like serving everything in my life that had ever happened um, all at one time. And having it come at me like, bam, 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 one thing after the next, um, I kind of feel like even though it took a long time for me to eventually move beyond so much pain and suffering that I've been in, this last year when it was coming at me so fast, I was like, am I going to survive this? I look back on it now and I say, wow, it's like, it's like I blew through the storm at you know, 1,000 miles an hour. <laughs> Because that's really what it felt like doing everything that I had to do and facing everything that came up for me. It was almost like it was too much. But yet I look back on it and I say, wow, I made so much headway in a relatively short period of time compared to how long it had been since my ex had left me. How many years I not dealt with all the things that I needed to face and let go of. It's interesting. So now I think, wow, what a cool thing. What a cool thing. But you have to be willing to go through it. You have to be willing to not just say, okay, I'm going to throw it all away or I'm going to let somebody else do it for me. Or, you know, I was thinking things too, like people said, well, maybe you don't have to sell the house. Maybe you can, you can live in the, um, the, the basement apartment, I had made an apartment uh, to rent out to people to help pay the mortgage, and then you can rent the upstairs. You know, so part of me was, all, was still trying to hold certain things together and hold on to things and find the way to do it. And I realized, no, if, if, if I'm going to do this, I've got to face it all, deal with it all, and completely let go of everything. And, you know, they say that when you enter a storm, you're not going to be the same person coming out of it as the person that entered it. And that's what the storm is about. And uh, you definitely describe that to a T. And, you know, it's almost like you you really were trying to preserve some things that kept you feeling somewhat safe in your comfort zone and I think that's a very natural tendency, and it, it makes perfect sense. Um, I'm wondering what advice you have for someone. Uh, we have listeners listening that may feel that their marriage or relationship is threatened, uh, that they're not sure whether they're going to make it or not make it, and they're facing that crossroad. And I'm wondering what you would say to them. 
Well, you know, I'm not a marriage therapist, and, and sometimes when people ask me that question, I, I feel like, well, I couldn't save my own marriage. I don't want to be giving that advice. Um, you know, just one little thing I will say is that I, that I learned since then is that there are marriage-friendly therapists. Um, out there, and I would say find a marriage-friendly therapist because not all of them are. I think um, looking back, my my therapist probably was, but the problem was is that when when you have another person in the way, and um, if your spouse is not willing to let go of that relationship, there's not a lot that you can do. Um, uh, I felt like, well, if I can stop the divorce, if she gets you know tired and and moves on, this is not a real this is not something that's going to last. You know, our therapist said, I see stuff between you guys worth saving. She said this even after, um, you know, we found, I found out about uh, the other woman. She said, no, I see stuff between you worth saving, but you can't be in this other relationship if you're going to work on your marriage too. So, I mean, I think that's, that's definitely something that I would say to people is if there is someone else in the picture, don't think that you can work on your marriage at the same time that there's someone else in the relationship. That that's not going to work. You have to be committed to to working on the relationship without anyone else in the picture. So and I would what, also say too. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> no. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say too. I think you know several years before the divorce. And this is something I mentioned briefly in my book. Um, I came in, I, one day I, re, I remember I had gone down to um, this shop, bagel shop near uh, the school where one of my children was attending. And I remember seeing this flyer for this meditation workshop about being frustrated and angry. And I came home and I had like, you know, one of those light bulb moments where I thought, I am running around doing in life. I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm taking the kids there, I'm going to the grocery store, I'm doing this. I'm leading a reactive life. And I don't want to lead a reactive life. I want to have this center in my own life from which I, you know, do out of. And I went to this workshop, and then I went to workshops and, and classes twice a week for like the next decade on meditation and really going into that in a very, very deep way. I do feel like, you know, and, and at that point, you know, there was something going on in, in our marriage that was several years before we actually broke up. Um, and I thought to myself, well, you know what? I'm going to work on myself as a person. I am going to try and be as mindful as I can be. And, you know, sometimes when you start, when you're starting on a different path yourself, that can cause both good changes in a relationship and maybe unwelcome changes in a relationship. I think looking at it now, I think that it's possible that we were going a little further apart because he wasn't on a spiritual journey like I was. To just deal with my problems, you know. Let me, let me deal with what's what's going on with me, and I think we all need to do that. And then, if we can both do that as a couple, then we can come together and we can have a better relationship together, rather than saying, "Oh, the problem is out there." 
You know, mm -hmm. we always tend to say the problem is out there. It's always out there. Always we're looking outside ourselves. And so that's what I started doing several years before. And I just think that's a good thing. Well, um, in your in your book, you have um, actually an, an entire chapter called Aging, Sickness, and Death in it. And you talk about the profound effect the Buddhist meditation on death had on you in your journey. Oh, it was it was the scariest thing. I, the first time I ever heard this talk about meditating on death, I thought, this is okay. This is, this is where I'm going to walk away. It's gotten a little too crazy for me, you know. Uh -huh, I'm supposed uh -huh. to sit here now and meditate on death. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. You know? And I just thought, okay, all right. He's a great teacher. I am going to take this on faith, and I'm going to try it. Mm -hmm. And the more I did it, the more I realized how it made every day more alive for me when I did mm -hmm. that. <laughs> you don't have to. Better. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree. Yeah. You, you have to face that to, to gain incredible depth and appreciation. And so that was just, it was like the kookiest thing because, it, you know, I was doing these meditations and then, and doing them like in this rotation. And I find myself you know, saying, oh, but I really want to go back and, and, and do this one. And I went on a whole retreat once for an entire week where I just focused on that meditation. And I would laugh about it because it was a thing that I, none of us want to face that. We, we spend our lives not thinking about it, avoiding, um, and I guess on a bigger level, avoiding all the things that we don't want to face all the pain, all the suffering, um, we'll do anything to, to, to not face that. And I think that's what that meditation taught me, is that, especially that last year in my house, every time I felt like something was a little uncomfortable um, that I was going to look at or have to deal with, it became a clue to me that that was exactly the place where I needed to go. Yeah, and very, I may very interesting. Been, yeah, ready for it right at that moment. But it was always in the back of my mind. You know that little fear there, that's the place you need to investigate, and that's the place that's going to be very rich for you. You, you think it's going to be scary and awful, but when you have a little bit, and I guess I would say this maybe to listeners, sometimes it's, it's good to start small and to kind of, like test the waters with something small because when you do that, you sort of build up your courage and then you, then you can realize, oh, that really does work. Facing that is really going to give me insights and it's really going to make me grow. So you grow, you know, in little ways and you just keep adding on to that. And I think that's, that's pretty much... Um, I don't want to give away any spoilers, but if you look at you look at that last year, there were certain things that were harder for me to face that I was more afraid to face that I did put off, you know, until almost the very end. And that's because I think I started intuitively, started small, and 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 sort of you know dealt with a little bit of pain and and suffering, and then moved on to something else. And so I think my courage. Just, just grew out of that. To be Amazing able to how that happens. Hard thing. Sometimes we have to face our fears for freedom in a certain area. 
I want to ask you, what's age got to do with it? You talk about your grandmother <laughs> and uh, she had a certain approach to age. Can you tell us about that? Oh, she was just absolutely incredible. She always told everyone that she died uh, 87. She told everyone her whole life when they asked her that she was 39. I'm 39, 39. And I literally remember as a little kid finally being able to do the math and saying to her, well, then you would have had, you know, you were pregnant with my mother when she was, I don't know what it was, seven or some, some crazy number that you know, even as a kid I knew couldn't be possible. And so I thought I'd caught her. I thought, well, then, okay, now I've caught her, and she's going to tell me. And she just, like, brushed it off and laughed. But I think there was – she was – I would look at old movies sometimes later on when they show these little old movie reels um, uh, of, of my family when they were, you know, my grandparents, my um, – uh, great-grandparents, and I remember seeing my grandmother in this reel that they used to go forward and back, where they were all trying to pile into a car, and then they'd play in the reverse, all coming out of the car, and I just remember her face. She was always giggly, and like just like a, just like a girl. She always had this spirit in her that just never left. And I loved that about her. I really mm. loved that about her. And I feel that with the divorce and just, you know, going through the, the, uh, the, the family court system, which is just awful, and, and just feeling kind of burdened by life. You know, I had been a really kind of happy-go-lucky mom, you know, um, with my little girls. I mean, playing with them all the time. I mean, it was just the most joyous time of my life. And as time went on, um, I tried, you know, I had to work at that. It's almost like I had to work at being sort of lighthearted when that was a natural part of me, but I had to now work at, work at it. Mm -hmm. And it was, it, it just was very, very hard because I felt like, you know, who am I? I, I thought I was that girl, that kind of lighthearted girl. And I felt like along the way I had lost her because life was so, so hard. And I allowed all of life to be so hard, like I was carrying all those burdens on my shoulder and burdened down with them. Um, and in, in, in sort of facing my fears and going through one by one all these things that I hadn't dealt with and the reality that the kids were growing up and I had gotten older, just facing the reality of all of that, my lightheartedness started to come back naturally. It literally, as I was starting to let go and face all this hard stuff I didn't want to do, I started becoming more lighthearted. And I was so happy because I just felt like I had lost myself. And I was so happy because it was like, I'm, you know, my real self is back. That's you know, amazing. And now it's, 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 it's funny. I had, a, I had a reading the other night um, for my book launch. And someone took um, a little video of uh, at the very beginning when the guy was hosting, was asking kind of questions. And I looked at it, and 
it was like we were doing this comedy shtick. I mean, I didn't know what the questions were going to be. I didn't know what he was going to say. I didn't know what I was going to say. And the two of us were laughing and giggling and having like this little comedic interlude. You know, and, my, and, my, and I, didn't, I didn't write a humor book, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I looked at that and I said, that is who I am. That's who I am naturally. I, I am back that. to the woman that I really am. Well, you've proven to us that uh, divorce does not mean destruction, even though it, it has incredible challenges not to be minimized. This show is just winding down so quickly uh, in only a couple moments left. Can you tell us um, anything else that our listeners might want to know? Um, it sounds like life today is fantastic. And uh, what kind of beacon of hope could you offer somebody that's right now in the midst of their darkest hours? Well, you know, when you say it sounds like life is fantastic, and it is, but I had a car wreck, um, you know, a month and a half ago, right as I'm doing the middle of my book launch. Um, The worst thing that could happen, a car plowing into me. And I think now, years ago, that would have really thrown me off my game. Now, I'm still going back and forth with the doctors, of course. But I think I have realized that life is uncertain and that those things will come up. You cannot see everything coming. And I feel like if you can remain flexible and you can still say that's, that's not, nothing is going to take my happiness away. I kind of say that to myself every day. Nothing is going to take my happiness away. Heartache's going to come, difficulties, I have a roof leak. All those things are going to happen. But nothing is going to take my happiness away. And, and when I reassert that to myself, I mean, it's true. It's really true because I won't allow that to happen anymore. Well, um, I just think that this work that you've created is so empowering for others. Disassembly required a memoir of midlife. So I invite people to go to your website, beverlywillett.com, and get your book. And it's time for the last question of the show, Beverly, which we want to know how you age gratefully. Oh, how I age gratefully. <laughs> I don't think about age. I don't read all those articles that tell you this is what you should be doing and this is what you shouldn't be doing and this is what you should wear and this is what you shouldn't wear. <laughs> I don't think about all of those things. Um, so I think by not, by not thinking about um, those things and not thinking about, you know, is the glass half full or empty? If I thought about that in relation to how much time I have left, then that would be negative. So I think I kind of flip everything. You know, whatever that, that, that message that might be coming from the culture is, flip it around. Um, I do that a lot. Um, so that's an awesome philosophy. We certainly embrace that here at the aging gratefully show. I want to tell you how grateful we are for you having been a guest today, Beverly. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Holly. You've been listening to Aging Gratefully. I'm your host, gerontologist Holly Kelly. Thank you for listening. And if you've enjoyed our message, I invite you to subscribe and share it with others. May you remember to never act your age and that age is just a number. And may you enjoy and embrace the coming week in the spirit of gratitude. Until we meet again, here's to living your best life now. I used to think time was my enemy 
My future wasn't looking good So worried about the things I couldn't see I couldn't see the things I could I was aging fearfully Worrying my life away When all along I should have been Thankful for every day Finally made a friend of time Now you could say that I'm Aging gratefully As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.